does one begin the first regular edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement of the new fiscal year? Likely by pointing out that this is not a typical installment of the newsletter and podcast, but instead a chance to take one look at one meeting to get all of us updated on the city's draft zoning code. That's been an ongoing story in the past three years and a primary reason for the creation of Town Crier Productions. Thanks to sponsors and subscribers for keeping me on the beat. Now, let's get to today's program, which is a quick summary of what was discussed at the May 23rd, 2023 work session in Charlottesville on the draft zoning ordinance. The Planning Commission and the City Council went through specific locations to determine if their designation in the draft zoning map should change. City Councilor Brian Pinkston confirmed that the double density for affordable units envisioned in the original draft is no longer being considered as currently written. And councilors weigh in on the viability of additional density in medium-intensity residential areas. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a Civilian Conservation Corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every 4th and 5th grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. This upcoming Wednesday, the Charlottesville City Council and the Charlottesville Planning Commission will hold a work session on the draft zoning code. It's been five months now since the first of three modules for the new set of rules was released, as well as a new zoning map. Two more sections have also been released since then. A final draft of the zoning code is expected to come out the week of July 24th. In addition to Wednesday's meeting, Council and the Planning Commission will hold a second event on July 13th. I've so far been unable to review the May 23rd work session, which went on for nearly four hours. I've also not written up the Planning Commission's discussion from the June 13th meeting. Now, the following is a selection of highlights from the first of those meetings that may signal what some of the changes will be in the final draft. Wednesday's work session is a continuation of that May 23rd meeting, which was held to discuss the zoning map itself. The first topic back in May were transition areas between zoning districts. James Fries is the director of Charlottesville's Neighborhood Development Services Department. A lot of the comments we were receiving around mapping issues were dealing with transitions um, between higher intensity areas and lower intensity areas. This is an issue that we had committed to addressing early on, um, and we our existing transition language really is intended to address where lots kind of back up or side to side, where lot lines meet, and wasn't really addressing across streets, for example. Fries said language in the draft did not address how transitions would be held across different sides of the street. For instance, the draft zoning map shows one side of Forest Hills Avenue in Fifeville as residential A and the other residential B. Do we actually make changes to some of these zoning districts to lessen the degree of difference between 
districts facing each other across the street. Another example is in the north of the Greenbrier neighborhood with a section that fronts Rio Road designated as Corridor Mixed Use 5 or CX5. And so we're looking at a, a making a zoning district change on the Tarleton side of the Grove lots. Another potential change is in the north downtown neighborhood along High Street. The draft currently shows several parcels as CX-5, but Fries said compatibility with the historic district may lead those properties to be C-3 instead. A factor involved here is that the Board of Architectural Review would still have authority to do design review. Fries said there may also be changes to the area now known as Kindlewood. On May 23rd, that area was still called Friendship Court, which is being developed by the Piedmont Housing Alliance in four phases. Either way, the draft zoning map has that listed as Node Mixed Use 10, or NX10, which allows 10 stories as a base height and 12 stories if affordability provisions are met. Fries said there could be changes. Transparency refers to the number of windows required. So the node zoning calls for uh, building uh, buildings that are commercial, ground floor commercial ready, right? 14 foot ground floor, higher transparency requirement. And those two requirements, which seem relatively simple on their face, are uh, inconsistent basically with the, design, the, the existing design for this project and the costs associated with those. The changes that they would need to make might lead to a reduction in number of units. Fries said the zoning would most likely be corridor mixed use 8 or CX8. At this May work session, Fries took the commission through various sites across the city where the draft zoning map may have errors in the sense that what district has been applied not matching the logic of the comprehensive plan. In addition to comments on specific sites, there were many discussions of whether the logic should be changed. Some had suggested that Wright's Scrapyard at the intersection of Belmont and Woolen Mills should be more intense than the node mixed use 5 that is currently there. Others suggested it should be lessened. When I look at the land use map, I see that the, those higher intensity urban um, districts were, were directed towards uh, basically our large kind of job areas, downtown, 29 North, um, adjacent to the university for that higher intensity kind of urban context, eight, 10 stories. I think this one, in terms of the pattern presented by the land use map, is more appropriate towards that neighborhood center scale. Commissioner Hosea Mitchell wanted to get the feeling from his colleagues about whether they agreed with Fries or if they could see a more intense use. That might also take a change to the future land use map. This is like in a little valley. There could probably um, be um, maybe some sort of industrial park um, in, that, in that little valley. So I'm, I'd like us to talk about make, maybe making this like uh, what we call urban center. Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg said one argument in favor of that designation would be recently built infrastructure. One of our very, very few, oh man, oh, there we go, uh, like actually top-notch bike facilities uh, is along the new East Water Street, right? Um, and so you've got this kind of direct path from uh, the site to downtown, uh, totally off street, extremely safe feeling compared to everywhere else. The commission reached consensus that they'd like to see more intense zoning districts for some locations of those properties, such as NX8 close to the railroad tracks. 
Another area discussed was Barracks Road, which Fries said should have been zoned NX-8 instead of the NX-5 on the current draft map. Stolzenberg and Commissioner Carl Schwartz said they would support that being designated as NX-10, but were told that's reserved for properties fronting downtown streets. In, in this body of rules, we kind of pose the idea that 10-story buildings are really reserved for the areas close to downtown and that all other outlying areas are maxing out at eight. And the conversation here at the table is, should we be considering 10 stories in areas like on Route 29? Commissioner Liz Russell has since left the Planning Commission. At this meeting, she pushed back on efforts to increase density at this point in the process through potential changes in the logic. I think that's going to undermine public confidence um, in regards to some of the concerns that the public has around height and, and drastic change. And we just came to constantly be pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, I want to make sure we're coming up with a plan that council can pass at the end of the summer or whatever it is. Stolzenberg argued that higher buildings would mean more housing, housing which could absorb pressure from other parts of the city. This prompted this line of questioning from Councillor Leah Perrier. How many more people do you get from 8 to 10 since you're talking about density? What does that mean? Here is Planning Commissioner Carl Schwartz. It's possibly make a project more viable. Yes. What does that mean? Um, by, well, <laughs> this had me a little confused, but the um, just getting the extra height makes the uh, change in building type um, from something that's combustible to non-combustible more feasible. This has to do with construction types. Shorter buildings tend to be built on wooden frames, as the cost to build with concrete and steel only makes financial sense in taller buildings. Go take a look at the video if you want to get into those details. Building height or type notwithstanding, per year, cut to this point. So it catches on fire. How, how are you going to put the fire out? <laughs> well, it's in stories I mean, a I mean, you know, what, what do you have? I hear the density. I hear easier to build. But you also have to think about infrastructure, too. Do you have fire trucks that will go 12 and 15 feet? I don't know. But do we? In response to Russell's concern about a seeming push toward more density, Pinkston pointed out that Council and the Planning Commission reached consensus earlier this spring against a plan to allow double density in Residential B and Residential C if all units were affordable. Didn't we address some of that with the R, A, B, and C a few weeks ago, walking it back from, was it 12 at one point? 12, 16. Yeah, and 16 in the future land use map. So or, or 12 in the in the future land use map, yeah. yeah. No, but he's referring to a couple of weeks ago when we were mm -hmm. talking about the, the double density provision. And, mm -hmm. and we walked that back, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said he supported additional height at Barracks Road Shopping Center but had some concern that increasing density all over would have consequences. I have not heard anybody who has expressed horror about the notion that Barracks Road Shopping Center might be too developed. <laughs> uh, and most of the comments that I've gotten from people are basically along the lines of, go ahead and put as many people as you want on Seminole Square, or on Barracks Road, just don't put them in my neighborhood. However, Snook said he was concerned about making the Cedar Court apartment complex nearby any higher than NX5. According to my property transaction research, those are some of the most affordable for-sale units left in the city. 
Here are some other changes that come from this section of the meeting. The group reached consensus that Allied Street, where McIntyre Plaza is, should be zoned NX5 rather than the NX3 shown on the current draft map. The group also discussed whether to reduce sections of the intersection of Grady, Preston, and 10th from CX8 to CX5. Opinions were mixed, but appeared to lean towards that reduction. One idea was to leave this area as is and wait until a small area plan is conducted. City Councilor cancelled a smart-scale project last year that was to have reconfigured the intersection. There appeared to be consensus that the eastern side of West Main Street should be reduced to CX-5 from CX-8. Schwartz suggested keeping it at CX-8 and allow the Board of Architectural Review to control height and massing, and Commissioner Lyle Soliates agreed. There was a discussion of an idea to reduce the intensity of lots around the intersection of East High Street and Mead Avenue from CX-8 to CX-5. Out of a concern, it would lead to displacement of some single-family homes. This is very near to the project to redevelop the former circus grounds into 245 apartment units. It appeared that the consensus was to make this reduction. There appeared to be a majority of the group who would support designating at least one section of the former Martha Jefferson Hospital site as NX-10 rather than the NX-8 currently designated. There was also consensus to upgrade the site of the Beck-Cohen building from NX-8 to NX-10. Russell objected. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a new service aimed at the development community that may not be widely known yet, 3D point cloud scanning. That's a technique that uses specialized equipment, such as 3D scanner systems, to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of the scanned object or scene. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results, all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs and now has a dedicated team offering this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, design, or construction industry, feel free to contact them for more information or a free quote about how they can help you. Visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D point cloud scanning of the downtown transit center. There's a booklet that will explain more. Thank you, Design Develop. Now back to the rest of this recap of the May 23rd, 2023 work session between the Charlottesville Planning Commission and the Charlottesville City Council. They were then asked to provide feedback on potential changes that would require an amendment to the future land use map. That would take a change to the comprehensive plan. Some of these would take the form of requests from property owners who would rather be in general residential rather than medium intensity residential. For background, the draft zoning has three residential categories with the following base rules. 
Residential A, this is where lots can develop three units, or four if the existing structure is kept. Residential B is six units per lot. Residential C is eight units per lot. Councillors weighed in on this base amount. Here's Pinkston. I feel like those are good, good numbers, and I'm glad we're coming down from 12. Councillor Lear Perrier said the transition to higher intensity uses would affect the property values for some homeowners. Whatever has to be done to protect them, we need to do. Perrier also still wants to see a visual depiction of what could be done across the city under the draft zoning. Charlottesville City Councilor Lloyd Snook said he argued two years ago that it would be foolish to make zoning designations without considering topography and parcel size. He said he would support reducing the intensity in the draft zoning code. What we are already doing in RA by, in essence, tripling the number of units that are possible and possible to be built there is already going to put us in one of the most liberal, most growth-oriented, most uh, highest density uh, zoning plans in the country. Uh, and personally, I want to go very slowly in deciding where we would put RVs or RCs at all. Snook said one consideration would be to reserve higher density for corner lots. Pinkston said he could understand Snook's point. This is creating a lot of angst in our community that is not going to turn out to be what people fear, but people fear what they fear. And it's not that people are irrational. They're just, they're, they're, yeah, it's the unknown. And I do feel like we have some sort of responsibility to give at least some, well, framework about how this might evolve. Pinkston suggested designating some areas for additional development in the future, perhaps after five years or so. He also suggested retaining the special use permit process for the additional density allowed under RB and RC. We know that what we're wanting to do is make this easy enough for people who don't have to do that. But I, I do wonder with this particular medium intensity, I just don't think we're ever going to be able to put parameters on this that are actionable enough for developers to know what to do and for people to not be, un, you know, terrified. Commissioner Stolzenberg said there has to be rules to allow for the density to proceed. A, a sixplex, an eightplex, we, we practically don't even have people building these buildings now. Um, you know, that's why they call it the missing middle, right? Uh, because we've forgotten how to build them. And in part, that's because they're effectively illegal. Um, and they're way too small scale to go through that kind of one-off, uh, you know, ask for permission every time and take the risk of it. Pinkston said he is on board with density and pointed to the approval of several projects, including 240 Stribling and 2005 JPA. Fries said the RB and RC zones would be key to the city making progress toward creating more units across the city. That's where you could do townhouses. You okay. can't do townhouses in the RA. And townhouses are a very desirable building type. Towards the end of the work session, Councillor Perrier reminded the group that one of the main purposes to do all of this work is to try to stop displacement and to provide space for the middle class. However, she felt that many community members do not know that this is the intent of the work to date. 
if we're doing all that we're doing in zoning for density to help develop the middle class that we don't have, there has to be conversations held so that people understand we're doing this to get to that. And this isn't some trickle down nonsense. Mm -hmm. right. We are doing this intentionally so others may live here. One open question at the end of the meeting included whether there should be some cap on the number of new units that could be built each year. Arlington County's recently adopted zoning code does have such a cap. There was some question about whether it is legally enforceable. The conversation continued, and this is just one brief summary of a four-hour meeting. There don't seem to be a lot of articles about this process that are not written by me, and I would have liked to have finished this up earlier. I apologize I couldn't get it till today. But do stay tuned to future editions of the program, and I'm going to try to get to as much as I can. And that's it for number 551. This particular edition is a long time in coming. I've been the most prolific writer about the city's land use reform process, and that's all because of you guys listening and reading. I've, however, not had the chance to get to this meeting, but I'm glad I finally had the chance to do so today. There's still a lot more to go in this process, and I'm going to continue to do what I can to write about what's happened so far. What would you like to see, and what would you like to know? The cost of producing this work comes from Substack supporters and Patreon people. About a quarter of the audience is contributing something, and I am grateful for this. You may know by now that if you sign up for Ting, add a link in the newsletter, and enter the promo code community, you're going to get a $75 gift card to the downtown mall, a second month for free, don't forget free installation. Thank you to everybody who has listened to this point, and thanks to those who are going to email me to tell me the secret word is... Transparency! Transparency.